Welcome to Women's Thrive Podcast. This is where you'll get to hear incredible stories of female entrepreneurs, business owners, women from all groups of life. Myself, Raymond Jan, and my co-host Abigail will be interviewing incredible women, hearing inspiring stories of women from all around the world. I have no doubt that you will find something that will be life-changing for you. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and join us for our future episodes. Hi everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Women Thrive podcast. I am your host, Abigail Rebecca. I am excited today because we're talking about a subject that for me personally, and I know for you and for us at Women Thrive, is really, really interesting. It's really juicy. We're going to be talking about personal branding and I want to ask you about culture. Like, How do you change a culture within an organization or within some kind of like your own business or within some kind of like community? How do you change the culture and what has that got to do with your personal branding? Well, we've got someone on our podcast today that's going to give us all the answers to that and so much more. Her name is Shelley Phillips. She is a sweet tea sipping sassy southerner she's a versatile entrepreneur and award-winning professional dedicated to reshaping today's workplace cultures for both employees and businesses to thrive. She's a speaker on our Women Thrive Summit. She is a multiple published author. Welcome, Shelley. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to get to talk with you today. Well, let's just jump in with a very important question because you are speaking to an English person here. I love your bio. You say that you're a tea sipping Southerner. What is your tea of choice, Shelley? So for us Southerners, it is just plain black tea, but it's iced and it has a cup of sugar per gallon. I mean, like it is sweet tea. <laughs> so, uh, and it doesn't matter summer, winter, like it's an all season drink. Hot tea, not so much around here. People are starting to kind of pick up on it a little bit, but a sweet tea is 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 the way to go. You know, I really miss cold tea. I, there's just something, especially like in the South, there is something about the tea that I can't get quite get it right here in the UK. We're the opposite. Obviously, we are a nation of tea lovers and we like our tea hot. I like an Earl Grey with a little bit of milk in it and I'm good to go. So <laughs> we should have come with our tea, right? We should have. <laughs> so Shelley, it's so lovely to have you today on our podcast. I've already mentioned that as well as an incredible author, you are also a speaker on our Women Thrive Summit. Really looking forward to this opportunity to get to know you a little bit more and share more of your work with our audience. So just to kick us off then, could you explain to us and share with us a little bit about your work, who you are, what's your mission and your vision on this earth? Yeah, absolutely. I, first off, I, I call myself a storyteller. If, if you've followed me or you know anything about me, I got my start in journalism. And the great thing about that was it made me realize really early on how different and how unique everybody is. And how how you look at success and how you get there is is basically determined by your outlook and how you allow the experiences that you have to shape you moving forward. And 
From there, I moved into corporate PR, which is telling the story of an organization and making sure that people are, are resonating with it, attracting the right people to it so that you have great consistent customers, that you have a great reputation in the area. And then where the two worlds kind of merged for me was I was a volunteer for 14 years with sorority women on the college campus here at the time in Alabama. And I was their chapter advisor. So I worked with mostly the officers in that organization. So these were your high achievers. These were the people that could manage class functions, leadership option, still graduate with a good GPA, make everything happen. And what I noticed was that we had so many of these women who would walk across the stage, pick up their diploma, and if they did not get a job offer right from the beginning and they went to work with what I call like get-by jobs, like whether it was barista, retail, something like that to pay the bills, that when they did get an offer in their field, it was coming in five to $8,000 less than their counterparts who were getting them right out of college. It was almost like work experience dumbed them down. And you were like, well, this doesn't make sense to me. As someone at the time who was hiring and, and part of that kind of world, I'm like, no, I would rather have someone who has actual work experience because I know they show up. I know they're dependable. I know they've dealt with customer interactions. I know they can handle themselves in an office situation. All these things should be an asset. They shouldn't make you less valuable. They should make you more valuable. And so what I really got started doing with that group of women was actually helping them craft their brand. At the time, LinkedIn was beginning very popular. And so we were working on the digital branding. We were working on how do I make my message match what I want to show up in the organization as. And so from there, it led to interviewing. How do I answer the question? So I become the most memorable person in the room. And then once I'm hired, how do I continue being that top of mind person? That first 90 days when you're anywhere is like that probationary period. So how do I stand out for the right reasons? And then after that, we, we go through so much other stuff and then we end up with COVID and people start rethinking, is this where I want to spend my time? I went through a job change of my own because of a CEO left. He retired and a new one came in that just didn't value me anymore and made me question whether I was in the right space. And so personal branding and the culture that we have in the workplace really became one of the, the, the really important things for me to start focusing on. And the natural tie between them is that the leaders in those organizations are the people that are setting the tone for that culture, which is their personal brand, how they show up, how we relate to them. And so that's kind of how I've ended up where I am now. Shelley, I love how you talk into that. Very often, I think that when we talk about personal brand and we think about personal brand, immediately we're in the realms of entrepreneurship, like business founders, social media. But actually what you're talking about is that we, every single one of us can create a personal brand. And what it does is it allows us to stand out to be able to present ourselves in a way that we want to be presented and also get the opportunities. It's really interesting for you to hear about these incredible high achievers in university, college that are behind their counterparts because they've gone and got some work experience. I mean, that's crazy, right? Crazy. Absolutely. It is. I tell, I tell my clients now, it's like, you are really your biggest asset. 
Companies will invest in new equipment. They'll invest in all of these kind of things. But the biggest asset any company has is their employees. They can't get the work done without the employees. So when we invest in them and we help them build themselves up, creating these brands, helping them develop professionally, growing our cultures, doing all those kind of things, it, it really has that exponential effect that makes the business more successful. Same thing with those women coming out of college. When you start focusing on you and what you bring to the table and you really start getting clear on this is the value that I bring and what I can show up with and how that can impact your organization, it makes you a much better interviewer. It makes you much more effective at sharing your skills and your strengths and everything, because not only then are you clear on it, you have a clear idea of how to present that side of you to the person making the decision. Yeah, I I completely agree. When you were talking about that before, it brought me back to when I worked in corporate and within the organization, there was a graduate scheme. So we would bring in university college graduates, as you've just described, and then they would like join an incredible scheme that the organization had and they would nurture them and they would go and work in different departments and get their kind of in-house work experience and then would be super fast-tracked. I mean, I used to see them come in and be like, yeah, you're going to be on the board in six years, seven years, like it was an easy fast track. And then as I was climbing the corporate career ladder, I was going in and taking leading teams, new teams. And within those teams, there would be people that had been in that job for like 10 years. They had so much experience, but they were being passed over by these corporate graduates, these university graduates, college graduates that were coming in. And I really made it a mission while I worked in that company to ensure that the members of my team and other teams as well that had this incredible potential had as many opportunities as the other graduates. And what I saw is that they were just getting more exposure. They were getting more visibility. They were getting the opportunities. They were being seen by the people that were able to coach and mentor them and guide them and the people that were really in the positions to be able to promote them. And so I started to replicate that with my team members as well. I was like, okay, you're going to be visible as well. It's really interesting to hear your story about it. Why are you so passionate about this? Like you're very passionate about it. Of course you are. Like what's your your drive behind this and the work that you do? So I think it really came from my own personal experience. I, I was very interested in it beforehand and that personal branding piece really tied into the PR side of me, telling the story, that kind of thing. So that was a natural fit. But when I was about 40, like I said, I had, I had been with an organization for over 20 years and we had a new CEO come in. And it was amazing to me to see how quickly one person could change the dynamics of an organization. And it's one person that was in charge. And so... I went from having a seat at the table to feeling like I was a valued contributor to someone that felt like their ideas and their work and their previous 20 years had zero value to this person anymore. And I had two choices at that point in time. And for the first few months, it was like you stewed over it and like you tried, okay, well, I'll try this approach. I'll try that approach because 
I'm a problem solver. I'm like, I can fix this. I can make them see the relevance of what we're doing. And part of that's just the stubbornness in me is like, surely you have to see this. Come on, pay attention. And so, but after a few months and you realize that nothing is going to change, then it's one of those things. I don't think people realize how much of ourselves go into our careers, into our jobs, is that you don't just shut it off at five o'clock when you go home. You take it home with you, your friend's experience. You get to where like, do I want to have lunch with her today? Because all she's going to talk about is how sucky it is at the office. Or your spouse is at home and your kids are at home and like, oh God, is she going to come home? And she's just going to be pissed off because of the way the day has gone. So like you take it home with you, whether it ends at five officially or not. And it can have some major impacts on you. I went through a spell where I had major migraines and it was all just stress and that takes you away from doing the things that you really enjoy in life at that point in time. And so it comes to that, you have to make that decision. Okay, am I going to turn into that employee who, okay, I'll just be fine with status quo. I don't care if we any of the new ideas happen anymore. I don't care. I'll show up, I'll do my job, and I just don't care anymore. Or do I take a leap of faith and find something new? And so... When I did that and when I made that decision that this is not where I want to stay, I can't function that way. I don't want to be that kind of person. I want to be fully me and fully engaged in what I'm doing. Then there's that shift that happens and you 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 find that new opportunity. And for me, that new opportunity when I changed jobs, I, I went for went to work for a CEO that was very much forward thinking that loved new ideas being presented that and it created a new fire inside of me. It was almost like I was new in the role again and was excited about it and ready to here's what we can do and let's experiment with this. And it also freed up something inside me that allowed me to create my own business. It allowed me to get my books out and everything because I wasn't focused on what was wrong anymore. I was focused on all the things that were going right, that new creative energy and being able to help the first book that I wrote was really about things that I wished I had known earlier in my career. It's about personal success. And it's a lot of it has stories from people that I encountered when I was in the, the news industry. But more so, it was like if you were sitting on the front porch with the best girlfriends that you had, and you were all just sharing these live stories about, hey, you shouldn't stick around for this. You just delete that from your whole thought pattern. Just like get on with things and move on and and don't let that be a deciding factor. That when all of it kind of came together, I realized it's that fear of the unknown that stops us from making those leaps. Whether it is a new job, a new relationship, whatever, it's because we don't really know. And, and us as humans, we're hardwired to be like, we want status quo. We want us to keep things the same. I want to know my routine. I want to do that. But sometimes the biggest growth and the biggest opportunity to impact people and to really get on with what your true mission in life is, is taking that step out in fear and looking for that new opportunity and doing it. And so for me, that's when it all came together. And when it really became that passion, it all solidified around that one move when I decided to practice what I preach and go look for a new opportunity that better allowed me to be the person that I knew I could be. Yes, Shelley. Yes. I I love that you tell that story. I love that for you. Because how easy is it to be to have stayed in that job and felt disempowered and undervalued 
and just to stay there because that situation was a better deal than pushing yourself out your comfort zone and and taking the leap and leaving there and and, and finding something new and you, you, that is a, such an amazing story of you having your boundaries and looking at your values and going, no, my values, it's not aligned to me. I'm going to create a better life for myself. So inspirational. I love to hear stories like that. Thank you so much. And I, I think the really cool thing about that is that it really allows me to relate to my clients when I have them, because I've been through that struggle myself. I know the the things you tell yourself, like how you're walking through it and the roadblocks you're going to put up for yourself. Because we are our biggest roadblocks a lot of the time. It's like the what if, what if, what if this, what if this, or what if it actually goes the other way? Have you thought about that piece of it? And so I, I think it makes me a much better coach. I think it makes me a better mentor in the workplace because I, I, I want to make sure my people don't go through the same thing I went through. I don't want to ever be that leader that's like, I'm the one that created the whole change in the organization for the worse. And so I'm very conscious now to, to be a more coaching leader, to make sure that I recognize the individuality of each person. And like what you were talking about er earlier, is like helping them be visible. Visibility is, is a key element of being able to move around and being able to get the right doors to open for you. And that's one of my roles in the corporate setting is as their coach, as their leader of this team, is to get them that exposure. And the other piece of that is I need someone who's ready to step into my role when I'm ready to walk away. And so if I haven't done that as a great job, if I haven't prepared my team for it, then I'm the slacker. I'm the one that hasn't done what I was supposed to do as that coach and as that leader. Yeah, we have such a duty of care, don't we, as leaders, leaders of organizations, cultures, businesses, what teams, whatever we're leading. It just shows you, like you say, just one person can make such an impact and such a difference. But also the other way as well, one person can make such a difference, right? To the not to the detriment of a of a business or an organization, but actually to make it better. Okay, so I'm listening to this and I'm like, Shelly, yeah, I feel like that. Like I can really resonate with your story. I really want to learn how I can create a personal brand for myself so that I can be seen, I can be recognized, I can be visible, I can get those opportunities. Where on earth do you start? Can you share a little bit of your magic with us? Yeah, absolutely. So like one of the exercises that I love to do with anyone when I'm first working with them is one of the things I send them away from after our first session is I want you to talk five people and I want them to come from different areas in your life. And I want you to ask them the very specific question. When you think of me, what do you think of first? What skill do you think of first? What, what, what feeling comes to mind first? Like whatever, if we're going down a career, like skills wise, if we're working on our, our life passion and things like that, what feelings do I evoke? But just what are the first things that you think of me? And I ask them to get three or four different things from each of those people. And I think it's a great way for us to start thinking about our brand. So if we don't know how people think about us, we can't shape that brand because we don't know what we're working against already. If we haven't been intentional about it before, we need to know what's out there. So 
getting that feedback. And I tell people, please don't ask all five of your best friends because I want you to get some real feedback because sometimes our friends can be our frenemies because they're going to tell us what they think we want to hear because that's what a friend's supposed to do. They're supposed to be supportive. They're supposed to be uplifting. I'm blessed to have some of those friends in my life will, will tell me the hard truths too. Like, they're like, okay, sit down and listen. You're doing this and you need to straighten up. And so I tell them to find those friends. If you're going to ask your friends, find those. But find somebody from your workspace. Find somebody from your spiritual place. Find somebody from, if you're an entrepreneur in your business world, some clients. Ask them, what are their key takeaways about you? And when you see those, generally what surprises people the most is that people see things in them they don't recognize in themselves that are either strengths, talents, or gifts. It's just what they do. And that's what makes people successful in their role as a leader in a corporate situation or as an entrepreneur. We're doing the things that we love. We're putting our heart and soul into them. And a lot of times it comes natural for us because it's the things that we care about. It's the things that we're very interested in. And if we're putting our heart and soul into it, we're going to do everything it is to make that successful. But when we hear it from somebody else that someone says, oh, you're a great organizer or or you're like you provide some of the best customer service, you're very attentive, you're responsive, or you have great writing skills, or you have all of these different things, they may be natural to us. And we don't even really think about it as the gift that it is, or the talent, or the strength that it can bring in the fact that I'm creating my personal brand. The other thing is I like for them to ask is, when you think of me, what's the first story that you think of? And I'll share an example with you. I had a client, this was during COVID, that was making a shift in the career. And he had been in a financial setting for a long time and was really just tired of the, like, all I do is numbers and I want some people in my life. And and as we were working through his brand, he shared a story with me about when he was a child. And he used to go with his father to take care of some rental property that they had. And he'd do like maintenance stuff like clean up the yards, do whatever while his dad did whatever. And he said that was always their vacation fund. And he'd been interested in real estate ever since because he has attached that rental property, that second income, everything else with family and fun and vacation. And so when he made the transition, he decided he wanted to go into real estate, but he didn't really want to work with like new homeowners. He didn't want to do commercial properties What he wanted was second income people. And so when we crafted his brand and we worked on his LinkedIn and all that kind of stuff, I said, you have to share the story of when you were a child, because this is something that's ingrained in you. This is why you care about this, because when you're doing these things, it opens the door for people to relate to you as a person. And that's really what we're doing with our brand is we're building connections. And when I hear that story and I I can see him walking with his dad, taking care of this, and then headed to Disney World a few months later, it all comes full circle. I can see the relevance to why he cares about what he does, but I can also see that he understands my dreams as a client, that I want to be able to provide for my family, or I want to have different opportunities, or I want supplemental income because of X, Y, Z, that he's going to get that, and he's going to help make me get the best fit for this property that I'm looking to buy. And so when you can craft all those things into one, then that's where your personal brand begins to really resonate. And 
Like I said, it doesn't matter if you're building that brand for career advancement or if you're building it to grow your own business or if you're building it because you have a team of people that you're leading and you want them to follow you because they have the same values and cares that you do, then it's all about the story and it's all about the connection. And until you know your strengths, until you know how people see you, you can't adjust it, you can't tweak it, and you can't build on the stories that are already out there. Yeah. I always say that people don't buy your products or your services, they buy your energy. They connect with you and you connect with people through your story and shared interests, right? We mm-hmm. got a connection because we're tea girls. Absolutely. <laughs> And it just just having that in your bio, I'm sure that you get that a lot. I love, love, love your bio because straight you're not go, you're not leading with what you do and who you work with. You're talking about tea and like so immediately it's just this conversation starter. We spoke about visibility earlier, and visibility is my thing. That's one of the things that I love to definitely love to help my clients with, and of course that women thrive. Our mission and our vision is to empower the voices of women. We give the opportunities for all of the women within our community to be able to speak on stage and write books and, my goodness, like talk about exposure and visibility. What would you say is like in terms of like going out and being more visible, either in your career or your business, what would you say is a really good starting point for that as well, somewhere to focus on? So the first thing is, is I say is get comfortable talking about you. Practice it on some friends. Like you've got your branding statement. You know who you are. Practice with people that are close to you. See if it feels right. Because like I am a Southern girl, grew up in the South. And my mom was one of those, like, she's going to tell you, it's not nice to talk about yourself. That's bragging. That's bad. Don't, don't like. And so you're ingrained in that as a child. It's like, we're not supposed to brag about what we're doing. We're not supposed to talk about ourselves. Someone else can only talk about us, not us. And so, especially for women, I think that's one of the hardest things to get over is that, no, it is okay for us to talk about the successes that we're having. And the only way that we become visible is to get over that fear of putting it out there and letting people see it and having a conversation about it. And now I do think you can do it in a way that's not boastful. It's not braggarty. It's not any of those kind of things. You can do it in a way that is very authentic to you. But the first thing I think that you have to do to be successful at it is to get comfortable with it. The first few times you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, okay, I'm going to a networking event and I'm going to connect with three people and I'm going to share what I'm doing. And the first three times it's going to feel so awkward because if you're not used to doing it, if you're not used to putting yourself out there, it's something that you have to practice. It's something that you have to be intentional about. And it's something that you have to get comfortable with. And so, but the more you do it, the easier it gets. And when you focus on building that brand so that it is authentically you, that it sounds like you, that it's showing the things that you want the world to see, it becomes more natural along the way. Same thing with visibility in the workplace. If you have a leader that maybe isn't that coaching leader, if you have other people on your team that you don't feel are seeing you for the way that you need to be seen. You have to become intentional. Find those opportunities to show up. Make a point to have a conversation with your team lead other than at a yearly evaluation time. 
just go have a sit down with them and say, these are the things that I'm interested in. Can you help me achieve these things? Or here's what I think I'm good at. What do you see me struggling at? When you start putting this out there, there's a little bit of vulnerability that comes with it because not everybody is going to resonate with what you say. And some people are going to be skeptical of it. Some people are going to be like, well, she says that, but let's see what happens down the road. And so, like I said, it's that little bit of fear that you have to get past. But when you continually show up and you continually, especially like in the workplace, if I ask for advice and then I implement it. And if I go back and say, I would listen to what you said, this is what I'm doing. That person is going to become more and more receptive of becoming your advocate because they see you making those efforts and they see that you're trying to do these things to improve yourselves and to be a better team player and and be an asset to the organization. And it's, it's the same as an entrepreneur. If I'm putting myself out there and I'm attracting clients, then the way I treat them is going to impact whether they refer me to someone else or whether they post great reviews that I can share. And you have to get like with that, it's like, it's okay to share that review, but it's okay to say, look what someone said. It was a great experience and and I can help you do these same things too. And so, like I said, it's really just becoming comfortable with putting yourself out there. I think that's the biggest thing with visibility that people have to get past first to become really successful in getting seen. Yeah, absolutely. And especially as women, we really do need to be getting better at that. And I know that we are, of course we are, but we need to be even better about shouting about our achievements and our accomplishments, sharing our testimonials, really talking about ourselves in a way that inspires others. I was talking to someone this morning, actually, about the deep-rooted fears that very often we do have as women about being visible. And you were saying some of those statements. I remember being at school and hearing other comments about other girls at school, like, who does she think she is? And she's, like, my mum used to say to me a lot, like, don't get ideas above your station. And all these phrases stay with us. And what it does is it prevents us from playing big. It prevents us from allowing other people to see just how incredible we are because every single one of us is in, are incredible. There was a study, wasn't there? I'm sure you'd know about this, Shelley, about when a woman goes to a job interview, she will talk about her, like, oh no, sorry, it's not that. It's, it's about putting yourself forward for jobs like and promotions. And a woman has to be a certain percent sure. Yeah. She's dead, whereas a man will just go in and be like, nah, Hey, I tick a couple of boxes. I'm just going to go in and talk about it. And there's nothing, there's no right or wrong with any of this, but it's a different approach. And guess what? The men get the jobs. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's, it's a study that I reference a lot, especially when I'm, when I'm doing the coaching piece of it. If women don't feel at least 95% that they have every skill on there, they a lot of times won't even attempt to go for the job. And for a man, if they have about 30% of what they're asking for, they say, why not? Why not take the chance? The most I can tell me is no. And that's the attitude that we have to really build up is like, yeah, so, okay, they say no. It doesn't mean like this just wasn't the fit for me, but I still have my other job, so I hadn't lost it. So why not try for this next move? It doesn't have to be 100%. And so. That is so the case. And that one thing is like, 
don't let not having every single box checked off mean that you don't go for something because we're all learning and we're all growing along the way. And if you really think about it, you know now they're giving the promotion to someone who is less than 50% qualified, probably. And so they're going to have to learn everything too. So why not go take that chance and say, I can learn it. I can probably learn it better and faster than they can too. <laughs> so, I love that you the stats on that, Shelley, because that's exactly what we needed to hear today. It really, really did. Like, yeah, just let that, don't let that fear guide you. Like step into that fear, step into the fire. And honestly, the opportunities that come your way just with that bravery and that courage and that belief in yourself and that visibility really can be mind-blowing. So, um, Shelley, I could talk to you about this all day long. I mean, it's such an interesting subject and it's so aligned to our culture and our our values and the, the way that we think at Women Thrive. We're all, as you know, we're all about empowering other women, rising together, collaborating together. And we are so, so excited to have you on our stage. Can you just share a little bit about your talk? What do we expect to hear from you at our summit this year? Yeah, so it will flow right into this conversation that we've had today. The talk title is I Found My Worth in a Box of Fruit Loops. And for me, I grew up eating Fruit Loops. It was like my favorite breakfast and horrible, 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 full of sugar, whole nine yards. But I would start pretty much every day with a bowl of Fruit Loops and glass of chocolate milk. I was incredibly picky as a child. And I was like, when I found something I liked, it's what I ate. And mom finally said, okay, heck with it. I'll be, let her eat what at least she'll eat. <laughs> so, um, but later on in life, that became full circle because of an email that I received from a boss, the one that I referred to earlier, wondering if my skills came from a box of cereal, like the prize inside that we used to fight over when we were kids, like dig through it and get to the prize that came with a box of cereal. And how that experience and turning it into turning it into a way to really look at how our careers impact how we feel about ourselves, the value that we give ourselves, and how that can can shift on a dime. But when we start really looking internal at the value that we have, those external things really don't matter anymore. And so our value comes from who we are our relationships that we build, what we bring to the table, and how we make those people around us feel. It really isn't one person's opinion. But when that person's opinion is one that maybe they're controlling your paycheck or maybe there's somebody influential in your life, a spouse or somebody close to you and, and, and something goes haywire, how we feel and how we're valued is so intrinsic to who we are that we really have to get intentional to protect that. And but then on the flip side of that is, yes, we are valuable. We're our biggest assets. And we need to turn that around and put that out in the world and make sure that we're sharing it with the right people who resonate with us, that have our same message, and that can use those talents to help them better themselves too. Fantastic. We are so looking forward to your talk. And I love the title. Of course, it's a great title. Of course, it is. You're a personal friend expert. Uh, <laughs> It, well, it depends on when you are listening and watching the podcast, because obviously these are like, it could be like three years in the future, in which case you can go and watch. <laughs> talk now, but 
if you are listening in real time and you were at the beginning of 2024, then our Women Thrive Summit is taking place in March. And you can go over to our website, womenthrivesummit.com, and you can go and reserve your spot and watch this incredible talk with Shelley. Shelley, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Where can we find you? Where share your details? Yeah, so a couple of places. Best place is my website, which is shellyphillips.com. Or I am very prolific on LinkedIn. I love that platform. I love to engage with with people about conversations about workplace culture, building strong leaders and everything else. And so I love to connect. Generally, if you send me a connection thing, I'm going to respond back. And if you comment on my post, I'll probably ask you, what you mean? Let's have a talk. (laughs) So please do engage. (laughs) Thank you, Jelly. Thank you so much. You have been an awesome guest and it's been great to connect with you. And we're going to have all the links anyway below so that if you're watching or you're listening to this, then you can go and find Shelly and deep dive into her world of personal branding and culture change and visibility and all those wonderful things that show the world how fabulous we are. Thank you so, so much, everyone, for watching and for listening. We will see you on our next show. Have an amazing day. Thank you for tuning in to Women Thrive Podcast. If you found today's episode empowering and inspiring, be sure to subscribe and follow us. Better yet, leave a review and share it with others. We're committed to bringing you more stories that will empower and inspire you on your own journey. Until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and keep pursuing your dreams.